awesome week last week here at City Branch, uh, our first Easter uh, together as a worshiping community and, and worshiping our risen Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And, and, and we believe that every week can be Easter. Uh, as Paul said this morning, that, that, that he is risen today just as much he was risen last week. And that truth remains uh, the same for us. But it's hard because that joy and that excitement doesn't stick all the time. Have any of you ever had just this incredible experience, whether it was a vacation or maybe it was a night out of the town or um, maybe this emotional high at a sporting event or at a party or you had a friend come over and stay with you for a while and and they could only stay for a short amount of time. Um, Have you ever had one of those mountaintop experiences? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you don't want it to end. You never wanted to leave. You never wanted that to end because it, it, was, it was great while it lasted and all was well, but deep down inside you knew and you had this feeling it wouldn't last. It's not going to last. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had one of those experiences and you're up on the mountaintop and then you've got to come down into the valley? I know for me it was last Sunday afternoon Watching the Masters. Do we have any golf fans out there? Any Masters fans out there? Maybe some of you are watching that. It's coming down the stretch. It's Sunday at the Masters, and it's an Easter, so that's just adding to the excitement. And, uh, and Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, the number one and two golfers in the world, are, are, are in the thick of it, and they're making a charge, and Tiger's starting to make his birdies, and then he's starting to make his eagles. And you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be really good. And, and I found myself about whole... 14 or 15, somewhere in there, thinking, oh man, I just wish this would never end. This is so, I wish it could be Master Sunday every Sunday. But that would get kind of old, I guess, and, and this all the hype surrounding it. I wish it could be Master's weekend every weekend. We've all had those times. We've all said, if I, if I could just take this moment, if I could just freeze that moment in time, if I could just live this day over and over, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be good, because re- it's really nice to live on the most mountaintop, high emotional experiences. But we also know that they don't last. Because, I don't know, if you're like me, life is pretty much ordinary a lot of times, isn't it? I mean, we experience things, we have highs and lows, and life is kind of a roller coaster sometimes. But most, most likely, if you're like me, um, most days just kind of seem normal. They just kind of seem ordinary. Well, last week we celebrated what we believe to be the pivotal moment in, in our faith. If you take out the resurrection, Christianity doesn't make a lot of sense. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what's now? What do we do now? Because we celebrate this amazing victory that Jesus has over sin and death and, and, and Satan and, and how we can share in that life that he offers us, that resurrected life that Jesus offers us. But we have to ask the question, what now? Where do we go from here? Because that mountaintop experience of that joy and that excitement and the anticipation that led up to Easter, it's kind of fizzling out. And maybe you're still there. But for most of us, there's this day that comes after Sunday. And it's called Monday. And you know what I'm talking about. Does anyone, is anyone their favorite day of the week, Monday? I didn't, okay, that's funny. That's weird. 
Unless it's your day off, then it might be your favorite, favorite day. But Monday comes. And then Tuesday. And then Wednesday. And, then th- and it just goes on and on and on. And pretty soon, we've come off that mountaintop, and we're kind of back in the routine, aren't we? Have you ever had a really high mountaintop emotional experience, and you get back into your life, and you're like, where did that go? What happened to those feelings that I had? What happened to that connection that I had with God? I'm just, I'm just not feeling that anymore. And even though that we believe as Christians that the, the truth of Easter goes with us, that we can be Easter people, the en- energy and the excitement and the anticipation is probably pretty much faded now. Um, the, the new clothes that you had for Easter are probably worn clothes. The eggs have all been found, maybe. And many of you are now completely fed up with eating leftover ham for days upon days upon days. The energy, the excitement is gone. And I'm sure many of you uh, last week spent time with friends and family, enjoying the time away from work, relaxing, and maybe you found yourself asking that same question. Why does it have to go away? Why does it have to end? If I could just stay here with these these people, I don't want to go back to work. Why can't it just stay the weekend? Wouldn't it be nice to just stay in the joy of that celebration? But the truth is we move on. We move forward. And so does the story that we find in our scripture for today. The dramatic events of Holy Week, which we call last week about Palm Sunday and Jesus coming into Jerusalem, Monday, Thursday, when Jesus shares uh, the Last Supper with his disciples and breaks the bread and pours the wine, Good Friday when Jesus dies upon the cross, and then Saturday, he's hanging out in the tomb, and Sunday, the body's gone. And there's a lot of energy and excitement around that, but, th- but Holy Week is past. And for a lot of Jesus' followers, and for the ones that we're going to read about in our scripture for today, they've pretty much moved on. As far as they're concerned, the story is over. Jesus was dead and in the tomb. The excitement and the anticipation that Jesus really was going to be the Messiah was gone. The story was over. Life was pretty much back to normal. They had gone back to their Mondays and their Tuesdays and the normal, ordinary flow of life, and we find them on the road to Emmaus. Today in our scripture from the Gospel of Luke, we encounter an unusual story of two men taking an ordinary walk towards a town called Emmaus. And if you would, turn with me in your Bibles. I believe Gina just read that for us. It's on page 807 if you need that. And uh, if you need one, just share with somebody next to you. There should be plenty uh, in the rows. If you need one, just raise a hand. We're going to be walking through this a little bit today, and I want you to have it um, out in front of you. There, Luke is the third gospel, and just so you're not, so you're not confused, uh, we are getting ready to move into the book of Acts, um, that's what comes after John, um, but it works out well that Luke wrote Luke, and Luke also wrote Acts, and so you're going to see a lot of parables, and so that's why we're taking this scripture from Luke today, because it's a very important story that's going to tie in what we talked about last week with Jesus' resurrection to what we're going to talk about the next couple months, and that is the beginning of the church and the followers of Jesus, and how they get all that organized. A lot of times, we just skip from the resurrection of Jesus right into the church. But there's some really, really important stories that happen in the days after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus shows up in some pretty interesting ways in the lives of his followers. And so Luke 24, 13. Luke 24, 13 is where we're going to start. So if you're there, say, I've got it. All right, so right away in verse 13... 
we know that this is actually the evening of Easter. Okay? We don't talk a lot about what happened that evening. I mean, obviously Jesus is probably pretty tired, so he's taking a nap, watching the masters probably. But we don't talk a lot about what happened the evening of Easter. So right away in verse 13, we know that this is the evening. Jesus has already risen from the dead, but nobody really knows where his body is yet. And so we come upon these two men. One who we find out, his name is Cleopas. Now, I don't know why Luke tells us that one man's name is Cleopas and he doesn't give us the other answer. But just a side note, if any of you are looking for a really cool, hip, new, biblical baby name, Cleopas is up for grabs. So just a, just a little side note there. Um, these two followers of Jesus are on a seven-mile stretch. So they have a lot of time to talk and debrief about what's happened. And so they're talking about all these things, about Jesus' death and resurrection, all these things that have just happened as we read. And they're returning to Emmaus. When soon enough, another man starts walking beside them. We know it's actually Jesus. We know that, but they don't know that. And for some reason, they don't recognize him. So, of course, the talk of the town is that Jesus is crucified. But then supposedly his body is now missing and the tomb is open. So as far as these followers are concerned, the story is over. That's why they're headed back to Emmaus. It's over. It's over. And then in verse 17, Jesus basically asks, so guys, what's the scoop? What's, what's all the chatter about? What's, what's the big news that you're talking about? And obviously we know that Jesus is kind of playing the unassuming role here. He knows what's going on. He is the story, but he doesn't want to reveal his identity quite yet. And then it says that after Jesus asked him, you know, they're, they're talking, they're walking along, and you can imagine when they just turn. And you can imagine just the grief and the sadness and the disappointment, and they just turn, and you can almost imagine their shoulders just slump. <sighs> Mister, I don't know who you are, but you don't get it. You just, you just don't understand. And they're walking along, and, and this guy comes up, and, and, and essentially... What we hear them say is, we had hoped. We had hoped. As far as we're concerned, the story is over. Mister, I don't know where you come from, but everybody knows what's happened. Were you just born yesterday? Jesus, this this king of the Jews, died, was crucified on a Roman cross, sent into a tomb, and now the body is missing. This was supposed to be God. This was supposed to be our Messiah. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, you could compare it to those of you that you can remember where you were when President Kennedy was assassinated. You know right where you were. You remember it vividly. We can all remember where we were when we heard, out, heard about 9-11, right? Everybody knew. It's all over the news. Everybody knows what's going on. And you can kind of compare that to this. Likewise, this news has spread all over Jerusalem. But Jesus wants to know their thoughts. And so he asks again, what things? What's, what's the news? What are you talking about? And so these men from verse 19 to 24, they rattle off all these events of the last three days that we've been talking about. And we can clearly tell, especially from verse 21, that they've lost hope. They've moved on. They've returned to their ordinary lives. We had hoped. We had hoped. We thought this Jesus, we thought he was the real deal. We thought he was the Messiah. 
But little did they know that the talk of the town is actually walking right beside them. Hope was closer than they ever could have imagined. Could they ever have expected? I mean, this was just another ordinary walk to Emmaus, right? I mean, if Jesus had really come back from the dead, think about this logically for a second. If Jesus had really come back from the dead, don't you think that he'd be parading around the town, waving a horse? I'm here! I'm back, everybody! What's up? Surprise! Ta-da! Just riding around Jerusalem. Maybe he's going to, to Pilate's temple and saying, Surprise! Remember me? Don't, I mean, don't you think that he would be doing that? The last place that you would expect to find Jesus is on a dusty road leading away from the city with a couple ordinary people. He definitely wouldn't have time for just a couple ordinary guys that had lost hope, would he? That in our story today, we discover this amazing truth. God walks with us. Just don't assume, just let that sink in for a second. After the mountaintop experience of Easter and all the joy and the excitement and the energy, what does Jesus do? He starts walking with us. He starts walking beside two of his followers, talking, listening, speaking the truth. And he's still doing that today. The way that this story takes place, this this ordinary story that we read today, the way that it takes place speaks volumes to who Jesus is for every single one of us today. Yes, Easter was great and powerful, but the truth that remains and goes with us is that that same Jesus, the same resurrection Jesus that we celebrated last week, comes and enters into our normal, everyday lives meets us wherever we're at, and walks with us. He didn't stay on the cross, he didn't stay on the tomb, but he's alive, and he's well, and he's moving, and he's working, and he's walking beside you. Life is not lived on the mountaintop, but life is lived, as you know, in the ups and downs of our ordinary lives, and that's exactly where Jesus meets these two men on the road, and it's where he meets you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can enter into whatever you're dealing with right now and walk with you and listen and talk with you and understand what you're going through? Because sometimes I think we get to to thinking this lie that, you know what, I just, I haven't felt that closeness with God for a while. I, I haven't felt that closeness with Jesus. I haven't talked to them for a long time. Maybe this is your first time at church in a long time. You're just, I feel really disconnected from him. Why would he ever want anything to do with me? He really, he's not going to understand what I'm going through. We just haven't talked for a long time. He, He really couldn't understand. But Jesus comes right into the middle of that. And he shows us that in this story today. Do you believe that you can experience the life and the power of Jesus in your everyday life? Not just on the mountaintop. I wonder... I wonder if we've seriously underestimated the power of walking with God. Not just physically, but experiencing his presence every day. And so maybe this ordinary story isn't so ordinary after all. 
maybe a little refresher on the bigger story would help. And so to understand that the power and the significance of that statement, God walks with us, I want to go back in time. I want to go back in time a little bit. So if you could, take your Bibles. They probably look like this right now. Take them and go. (laughs) Just turn them all the way back to the beginning. And we're going to start in Genesis. So if you could with me, turn to Genesis chapter 2. The very first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And we're going to take a little different look at what it was like when we first walked with God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge and good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. From long, long ago, we have this original story of God walking and talking with us. We just, we just kind of read Genesis and we go, Oh yeah, of course that's what it was like. God was walking in the garden with them, talking with them, even naming the animals with Adam. But then we know that our story takes a twist. And the serpent tempts Adam and Eve into eating from this tree, which God told them not to. And in their disobedience, that intimacy with God is gone. It's broken. Skip ahead to chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then in verse 9, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And Adam replied, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, and so I hid You see, in the beginning of our story, our story doesn't begin with the fall. Our story begins with an intimacy with God that we all long for still today. It's what we were created for. There was a garden called Eden, and in that garden, Adam and Eve had an intimacy with God that was so deep where they actually walked and talked with the God of the universe. It's almost like this was God's design. It's almost like that intimacy with him, as if you're just walking with somebody that you love, it's almost that's like what we were designed for, a conversational intimacy with God. But we know that because of our sin, that intimacy was broken. And sin creates a barrier between us and God. Sinful people cannot have a close relationship with God Because he's perfect and he's holy. And it's that barrier that would continue for thousands of years. And if you look through a good chunk of your Bible through the Old Testament, this is a long history, thousands of years of God's people trying to be good enough to be in his presence. It was a big deal to experience the presence of God. All throughout the Old Testament, we read that there's this thing called the temple. 
And it's all throughout, skip ahead to the lifetime of Jesus. The holy temple in Jerusalem was the center of Jewish religious life. And this is where they did animal sacrifices and and they carried out their worship according to the law of Moses. They, They followed it faithfully. The book of Hebrews tells us that in the temple, there was a veil that would separate where the presence of God was believed to be and where everybody else was. It's because this sin created this barrier between us and that intimacy with God. It's the same sin that we just read about in the garden. Only the high priest was permitted to enter in to the holy of holies, to the far back of the temple where God's presence was, only twice a year. In other words, this sin that separated us from God is a pretty big deal. For an ordinary man, only in their wildest dreams would they be able to experience God's presence. But we read that when Jesus died upon the cross, this huge veil, this 60-foot veil that hung in the temple, as Jesus died, it was split in two, torn from top to bottom, taking away this barrier between God and man. Jesus' death became that ultimate sacrifice and a way for us to have that intimacy once again with God. Unhindered relationship. Seems like a lot of background, doesn't it? And where's that all leading? But listen again now with that story in mind. Listen again to today's ordinary story. Luke 24, 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. God walked with them. This, This God who for thousands of years seemed unapproachable walked and talked with two ordinary people just like you and me. In this seemingly ordinary story, Jesus shows us that that intimacy that we were created for, that intimacy that we saw with Adam and Eve in the garden, is now restored once again. And it's available to all of us in a brand new way. And even though we know that Jesus is not physically present with us today, the story gives us a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit promises to be like in our lives. That it's present with us at all times, walking with us, talking with us, communicating with us. So today I want to issue that challenge to all of us to not underestimate the magnitude of this simple truth. That God walks with us. That he is closer to you than you realize today. Even if you can't see him, even if you feel disconnected with him, even if you don't recognize him and the ways that he's moving and working in your life today, he's there, just like he was that day on the road. And today, he invites us to not only acknowledge that truth, yeah, I get it, okay, God walks with me, but to live it out by walking with him. The resurrection was incredible. Easter was great. But what does it mean on Monday? What does it mean for us every day? It means that we have the incredible opportunity because what Jesus has done for us on the cross to say, today, today, Jesus, I'm going to walk with you. 
I'm going to follow you because you're alive and there's nothing separating me anymore from your love. There's nothing separating me from your presence. I can come to you, God. I can come to you unhindered into your presence and experience intimacy with you. It means, what this means for us today is that we we simply don't say, okay, well, I need to walk with God, so I'm going to add one more thing to do on my to-do list. One more thing that I have to do in my life. This relationship with God, it isn't one more thing. But it makes us start to realize that maybe walking with God means that he can be a part of everything. That this God that we worship here every Sunday is just as much here and he's just as much in every part of our life. And then because of that, God has something to say about your job. God has something to say about your work ethic. God has something to say about the drive home from school with your kids. God has something to say about the guy that you meet at the gym, about the conversation with your neighbor. He's in the in-betweens. He's in the beginnings and the ends. I just wonder, if you're like me, how many times have you said, okay, this is it. From, from this day forward, I'm going to get serious about my faith. This, this is when it's going to happen. I'm going I'm to join a small group and I'm going to join a Bible study. I'm going to get serious and I really want to grow and I really want to change. I want, I want to feel God's presence on a regular, everyday basis. I just want to know that he's real. Walk with him. Walk with him. Invite him into your day. Ask him, God, what's your agenda for my day? What are your priorities for me as I go into this next week? Better yet, invite him into those deep places in your heart as well. Have you invited God to walk with you into those places in your life that you've just kept guarded? Have you invited God into those places of your heart that you've kept hidden? He wants to go there with you today. He wants you to put your past behind you and to not carry the weight and the burden and the guilt and the shame that you've been carrying around. Have you invited him in to those places of your life, into those habitual sins, into those things that you just can't change by yourself? Walk with him, and he wants to walk with you. And don't worry, it's a walk. He's going to go the distance with you. It's a walk, it's not a run. And walk with others, because we know that we can't do it alone. Maybe it's time to give Easter some hands and feet and get on the move with Jesus. Walk with him. Talk with your father today. And just take time to soak in that truth right here, right now. The resurrected Jesus, fresh off the greatest comeback ever, knows you by name and invites you to walk with him in that journey today.